It felt like a new day in America. President-elect who received the most votes ever in the history of presidential races, so far over four million more votes than the incumbent, and a message of unity rather than division that has defined the last four years. For all those of you who voted for President Trump, I understand the disappointment tonight. I've lost a couple times myself, but now let's give each other a chance. It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again, listen to each other again. And to make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as our enemies. They are not our enemies. They are Americans. They are Americans. Biden promised to hit the road running, vowing to appoint a COVID-19 task force as early as Monday and to rejoin the Paris Climate Change Agreement. Well, the Washington Post reporting he'll reverse decisions to withdraw from the World Health Organization and repeal bans on immigration targeting Muslim-majority countries, among other measures to reset relations with allies abroad. What I must admit has surprised me. Tonight, we're seeing all over this nation, all cities and all parts of the country, indeed across the world, an outpouring of joy, of hope, renewed faith, and tomorrow, bring a better day. And I'm humbled by the trust and confidence you placed in me. I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide, but unify. Who doesn't see red states and blue states, only sees the United States. And work with all my heart, with the confidence of the whole people, to win the confidence of all of you. And for that, is what America, I believe, is about. It's about people, and that's what our administration will be all about. He dipped his hat to the coalition that won him this high office, particularly black Americans, whose support turned his losing campaign into a victorious juggernaut, while ceding the stage to his historic vice president-elect, who herself is seen as a future president. Congressman John Lewis, before his passing, wrote, democracy is not a state, it is an act. And what he meant was that America's democracy is not guaranteed. It is only as strong as our willingness to fight for it. And when our very democracy was on the ballot in this election, with the very soul of America at stake, and the world watching, you ushered in a new day for America. Harris also thanked the generations of women who had fought and paved the way for this moment. But while I may be the first woman in this office, I will not be the last. Because every little girl watching tonight sees that this is a country of possibilities. And as world leaders quickly lined up to congratulate the Biden-Harris ticket, a fuming President Trump refused to follow tradition and concede the race. Trump was on the golf course when a consensus of news organizations called it for Biden. Returning later to the White House, where he continued to erroneously complain on Twitter that he'd won the election by a lot, while repeating conspiracy theories 
as his campaign pursues those through the courts. But something happened Saturday that is indisputable, a shift in power that even President Trump cannot control. And while he so far refused to pass the baton, this election shows us it was never his to give, rather that of a majority of Americans who voted for Joe Biden. I'm Sherwin Bryce-Pierce in New York. Wonderful story there for more on what the new U.S. foreign policy tone and style may look like under Joe Biden's administration. We joined on the line by associate editor at the Daily Maverick and former U.S. diplomat, Brooke Spector. Very good morning to you, sir, and welcome. Good morning. Good to be with you. Brooke, first, are you surprised that Donald Trump has yet to concede to Biden, despite the age-old tradition in American transitions? No, I'm not. I'm not surprised. This is the way he has been pretty much, I guess, his entire life, that his father taught him there are only two types of people in the world, losers and winners. Don't be a loser. <laughs> and so uh, as a result, by refusing to admit to reality, he is not a loser, even if he did. And that's how he's played all of his cards uh, right, right from the beginning. Uh, it, uh, we, we should point out, though, that uh, this isn't quite the same as the way a parliamentary democracy works. You don't have a shadow government that springs into action within days to, to take charge. People pre-positioned in various cabinet posts and so forth, uh, ready to go uh, when party control changes. Uh, an incoming president has effectively two months and a bit to set up an administration to, to arrange for the uh, several hundreds of people that staff the White House offices and to begin to make decisions of the uh, roughly speaking, several thousand people who will be in senior positions throughout the government, including uh, a mere handful of people who will be cabinet officers and heads of independent agencies. And so this is why a transition office that should come into being uh, is, is so important. Office space, phones, communication, so forth. Unfortunately, up until now, the political appointee in charge of the transition, in charge of the General Services Administration, which handles government leases and buildings and things like that, has refused to sign off on the paperwork that would allow Joe Biden to have the funds, staff, and uh, facilities necessary to house the transition office. She's refused to sign off on that, and so... Everything that Biden is doing now has to be done outside of the normal uh, process that should be available to him. That's going to make it more complicated, and it means that so much of what he's going to have to do is going to have to be done uh, outside of the normal channel of making it work. The good news, though, is that Joe Biden's had a fair bit of experience in government, including eight years as vice president and uh, six, uh, 36, 37 years in the Senate, so he understands the processes, he understands what it, what it requires, he knows many of the people he will want to appoint, uh, but that's different than saying mm-hmm. all the staffing that will be available to do it is at hand. Yes. Should the world and Africa, we haven't got much time, but if you can answer this question, uh, in particular breathe a sigh of relief when it comes to the foreign policy of Biden as compared to that uh, we witnessed under the Trump administration? Well, if you like the Barack Obama foreign policy uh, towards Africa and anywhere else, think of this as Obama 
2.0. And you'll, you'll get a flavor of the kinds of things that, uh, that Joe Biden wants to look forward to. But I think preeminent uh, will be return to the climate, the Paris Climate Accord, uh, a, a more a calmer, more considered approach toward uh, other international agreements, uh, uh, membership in international organizations, and perhaps crucially, dealing with trade and multilateral, bilateral trade relationships. Those will be key points. But remember, at least initially, they're going to focus dramatically and closely on, not surprisingly, the COVID pandemic and the economic state of the country. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That was Associate Editor at the Daily Maverick and former U.S. diplomat Brooke Spector.